Okay. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for uh, zooming in. Hope you're all well and continue to be well. Naturally, uh, this week's parsha concerns itself with Yaseret Advarim. There are many, many insights into uh, really the basic constitution of the Jewish people, which is reflected in the Ten Commandments and the Aseret Advarim that were given to us on Sinai. The Ramban says that uh, the first five that were written on one of the tablets, I mean, he's addressing the problem as to why we need two tablets. We'd have one tablet. What's the significance of two tablets? So the Ramban says, because the first five are to be considered commandments that are bein odom lamokom, commandments that affect us in relationship to God, so to speak. And the last five on the other tablet are bein odom regarding commandments between human beings and the other human beings and uh, that they have, uh, so to speak, uh, different categories and definitions. The Torah wanted to make that clear to us, and therefore, Be'inodom Lamokom is on one of the luchos, and Be'inodom Lachavero is on the other luach. this raises a few interesting uh, points. We, the fifth commandment, the one that is the bottom one on the first of the Luchot, is Kabedes of Yichodesimecho. Honoring one's parents. The uh, question is raised by the Minchatz Chinuchim in his uh, famous Sefer. Is honoring one's parents a mitzvah that's been odom la mokom, or it's a mitzvah been odom la chaveiro? In other words, it is a mitzvah in relationship to God alone, so to speak. Or is it a mitzvah, a social mitzvah, like not stealing from somebody, like giving charity to someone? So it's a mitzvah to honor your parents. Your parents are people. So it's a mitzvah bein odom v'chavero. The fact that the Ramban lists this first uh, set of the first division of Luchos and the second division 
as the difference between Olam Lachaveiro and Bein Olam Lamolkom would indicate that the Ramban is of the opinion that Kabeidah Tzavicho Vesimecho is Bein Olam Lamolkom. And not necessarily Bein Olam Lachaveiro. And there's a great insight here. We all know that uh, the relationship, excuse me, the relationship between parents and children is enormously important, but it is very delicate. And uh, I need not describe to you how many times. Uh, we find that uh, there's a great deal of resentment between parents and children. Not always uh, a smooth road. And sometimes, God forbid, a person may uh, have had abusive parents. whether they be uh, verbally abusive or even physically abusive. Uh, abusive in, is a relative term. In our time, uh, when one can go to prison for striking one's child, so then the definition of abuse uh, has become uh, greatly expanded. Uh, in earlier generations, uh, striking a child in order to maintain discipline uh, was uh, not only acceptable, it was held to be commendable. Shlomo HaMelech taught us in Mishle that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child, meaning that the child has to have fear of the parent. Well, today uh, they would be uh, held as uh, encouraging child abuse. So, uh, what about a situation where a person has nasty parents? Let's not go to abusive, but nasty parents. Parents that uh, don't want to listen to the true wants and needs of the child. The child wants to be a musician. And the parents want the child to be an attorney. The child has a natural talent for music. The child loves music. The child wants to go to the Juilliard School of Music. The parents want him to go to the Harvard Law School. Whoever wins that battle uh, really is gonna come out a loser. Because if the child goes to Juilliard School of Music, 
unless I, even if the child turns out to be a great musician, there will be a resentment on the part of the parents that he could have been a greater attorney, could have been on the Supreme Court. And what if, uh, as is the case, most people who have musical talent, that they are not necessarily the wealthiest or most successful people in the world. Few make it, but most people don't. So then the resentment will even be greater. On the other hand, if you force the child to go to the Harvard Law School, so even if the child is able to uh, succeed and graduate and uh, become partner in a firm, but if uh, the child does not like the job, if for whatever reason, it doesn't appeal to him. He has to get up every morning and do something that he doesn't want to do. And he finds no satisfaction in his professional life. So then he will always resent his parents. He will always feel that they were unfair to him. So uh, it's a very slippery slope here. It's walking on ice. And therefore, in the Talmud, the Gemara and Kedushin, for instance, attempts to define Kabedas of in a very narrow sense. So the halacha is that a child that wants to go to Juilliard school is entitled to go to Juilliard school and he doesn't have to listen to his father and go to the Harvard Law School. A parent has no right to choose the spouse of their child. Male or female. But parents threaten. I mean, in my rabbinic career, the Baruch Hashem has spanned uh, many, many decades. How many times, you know, the parents say, I'm not going to go to your wedding if you marry her. That's a very rough way to start off in life. the child has the right to marry anybody he wants to marry or anyone that she wants to marry does not have to listen to the parents but that is not included in Kibbutz Ve'in but Kibbutz Ve'in is defined extremely narrowly I'm taking physical care of the parents. I'm giving them financial support. I'm not uh, usurping their uh, place or their seat in the house or around the dining room table. Very uh, narrow, narrow, narrow uh, ideas. And I think that that the halacha is realistic. And in the realism of the halacha, 
Uh, you cannot have parents live the life of their children and expect it to work out. We see it uh, played out, you know, uh, some of the greatest Hasidic Rebbes came from families that were opposed to Hasidus and that their parents uh, tragically almost violently disagreed with what they were with what they wanted to do. And we see it the other way also. And unfortunately, uh, in our time, children who come from religious families and God forbid, give it up. Or children that come from secular families and they end up uh, in a cure of yeshiva or seminary and uh, they become uh, so uh, complicated. And uh, therefore uh, Jews always uh, wish for each other Nachat, from children and grandchildren. Nachat means peace, quiet, no fights. That's really a great achievement. Between the generations, there are no quarrels. But that's only in a situation of... uh, Live and let live. Where the older generation realizes that it, so to speak, had its chance and made its choices. And now comes another generation, even though it is of one's own seed, but that human being has the right to their own choices painful as that may be, and erroneous as it may be. I once uh, heard from uh, a noted family uh, therapist who said that the job of a parent is to let the child make his own mistakes. So we want to prevent that the child should make a mistake because we're older, we know better, we've been through it, we have experience. But unless one makes one's own mistakes and learns from those mistakes, then there's no room for personal growth or really for healthy personality and a level of psychology. So that's Kabe Yatsavicha Vesimecha. 
So the Torah says, so how do you, why should you honor them? So there are three reasons that are advanced by the Mephorshim. One reason is because they gave you the greatest gift. You're alive. The uh, where I'm based on the Posuk in Echo, my Yisone Nodel Bechai, Giver Al Why should a live person complain? So the Gemara says, Dayo Shulchai, you're alive. What's the complaint? They gave you life. Not only that, they sustained you when you were completely defenseless. First few years of life, uh, the child is completely dependent on parents, on the other. So it's simply a... uh, an issue of hakora satov, of gratitude, gratefulness. So kavit zavicha v'simecha is, so to speak, hakora satov. It is the recognition that you've been done a great favor. And uh, so sometimes uh, someone does you a favor and you may not like that person. Or you may think that that person at one time or another didn't treat you correctly. Nevertheless, now you have to say thank you for the favor that was done. That's independent of how I judge the relationship should be. So that's one aspect of Kibbutz Vain is gratitude. Of course, I told which is such a fundamental idea in Jewish life to be grateful and to be able to express that gratitude. And it has to express itself in every way possible. Be able to always say thank you for even the smallest thing. I always remember uh, my experience with Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky's at the time of that I drove him once uh, to New York from Muncie. We came to the George Washington Bridge. It was a very hot day, very long line waiting to cross the bridge. At that time, you had to uh, pay the uh, toll collector in cash and money. There was no easy pass, etc. Then we waited in line. We with the car waited 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. And I was exasperated. And I pulled up and I gave him a $10 bill. 
which today wouldn't get you anywhere, but then it was more than sufficient. And he gave me change. And I took the change and zoomed out of the toll booth to get onto the bridge. And Rabbi Yaakov bent over and said to me, Rabbi Vine, you forgot to say thank you. You didn't say thank you to the toll guy. He gave you change. So what should I say? It's his job to give me change. That misses the whole point. The point is that someone did something for you. Anytime anyone does something for you, even if that's his position and job and profession, you have to say thank you. There's a vestige of that left in the world. For instance, uh, if you go to a restaurant, do you leave a tip for the waiter? The waiter has to be serves you anyway. But there it still remains that he served you. So you have to say thank you. How do you say thank you? You leave him a tip. So that's one aspect of Kibbutz. But the second aspect of Kibbutz he would sell him Elohim This first sell him Elohim that we deal with in life, those are our parents. Our parents represent God to us. And especially when we are young and we're unaware of uh, everything else that goes on in life. So then our parents are to tell them Elohim. That's why it says, You have to give them honor. Not because of them, but because they are to tell them Elohim. They're the representation at least in the early years of a child, and when the child has no other way of understanding it, they are their God. They're it. So therefore, the Torah insisted that even though there may be tensions, even though there may be uh, rough moments, even though there may even be resentment between generations, nevertheless, the parents are Salamalaki. They're the first and major representation to us of Salamalaki. And therefore, that alone serves as valid reason why they should be honored.
we know that, uh, for instance, we honor people many times not for what they are, but for what they represent. So we honor the leader of a nation. Uh, we may despise that leader, but he is the leader. So by uh, showing respect to him, we are really respecting the nation. There are countless examples of that. And uh, that brings about the feeling of honor, of respect. And that impresses upon us the idea of Salamelaki. There's a third uh, uh, idea that the Mephorshim discuss about Kibbutzamle. And that is, that's the ultimate of Chesed. The ultimate uh, expression of gratitude that a person can show. We know many, many instances where, uh, you know, the parents took care of the child when the child was young, and then the child has to take care of the parents when the parents are old. It's a reciprocal world. So the, if, task of a person in the world is to do chesed, to exhibit charity, goodness to others. Well, charity begins at home. And therefore, <clears throat> the beginning of chesed and the ultimate chesed is not necessarily the strangers. It's to my mother and father. And again, that becomes something that's irrespective of other aspects of the relationship that may exist between the generations. Uh, a Jew uh, gives a donation to a poor Jew that needs his help. He does not inquire as to the person's personality, uh, the person's uh, genealogy. Uh, it's not a here, you know, here's, here's the 10 shekel. That's what I have here. I give it to you. I hope it helps you. That's the relationship to one's parents, too. It's an unconditional chesed. Now, all of this together creates a great burden on the person. Chazal are of the opinion that uh, Kibra Ve'in 
is the most difficult mitzvah in the Torah to uh, fulfill. It's simply because of the emotional baggage that is involved in the relationship between generations. So Abaye, for instance, the great uh, Amora, was uh, an orphan. His uh, father died before he was born, and his mother died in childbirth. He was raised by his aunt, by Nachman's wife. We find in the Gemara, he called, it says, Omer Liyem, my mother told me, he means his, not his natural mother, but his aunt who raised him. But Abaye makes this startling statement. He said, since I didn't have a father, I didn't have a mother, I never have to worry about Kibbut Abayim. It was a benefit to me, because otherwise he said I never could fulfill the mitzvah. It is of such a nature and so demanding that I couldn't have done it. So this way the Lord spared me. But the Rabbani Shalom does not impose upon us uh, tasks that we cannot fulfill, mitzvahs that we cannot observe, challenges that we cannot overcome. That's not the nature of heaven. That's not how heaven deals with us. Therefore, the Talmud had to define it in its narrowest terms, which we can all accomplish. Stand up for me, my father, and make sure that uh, he's clothed, and make sure he has what to eat, etc. that I can do. The broad ramifications, uh, the universal idea that's involved, the emotional demands, that the Gemara said is not part of the mitzvah because that would be an area where failure would be rampant. So the Ramban said that this was Beinodam Lamoko. That's the universal area of the narrow part that's Benona Machavero. But the Torah wants us to appreciate all of that, and therefore it's included in the Aseret Advar. I want to thank you all for listening and for zooming. I hope next week, maybe God willing, we'll be able to open the show. Uh, and uh, Saturday night, we have the lecture, 8 o'clock. I hope to see you then. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Cold too.